0: Good morning, everybody. I thought there was going to be a school response there. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Pastor Julian. Do you remember doing that in school assembly? Hey, uh, so good to see you all this morning. My name is Julian, along with my lovely wife, Libby. I'm one of the senior pastors here uh, at Sutton Vineyard. And don't you all look beautiful this morning? I love the confident yes that came back to me then. Someone over in the corner was like, yes, I do. I made an effort today and ready for the summer, and the weather is on form as always, overcast, ready to pour down on us. So there you go. Um, We're continuing our series this morning called Faith uh, Foundations, and what we're looking at, would you believe, is the foundations of our faith. Uh, A very clever title, don't you think? (laughs) um, For some of you who have been around church for a long time, some of this stuff will seem very familiar, and what we've said is this is a great opportunity to uh, strengthen those foundations, to revisit some of those things. But if you're brand new to church, which a number of you will also be, uh, this is a chance for you to lay those foundations of your faith. And this morning, we're talking about the cause. Everyone say, "The the cause. Everyone say, stop making me say things. It's always fun when someone does that um, and the cause of every church in the nation every church in the world arguably is what we would call the mission or more particularly the Great uh, Commission and the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 and so if you've got your Bibles that's where we're gonna be spending our time this morning if you don't have a Bible it's gonna come up on screen so don't worry about that but Matthew 28 verse 18 20 is the Great Commission and so the question to ask is what is the commission and what's so great about it? And so the two things we see just in a broad overview, and we'll come to the verses a little bit later on, is basically summed up in two ideas that we are to reach and we are to teach. Jesus asked us to reach people beyond our circles, and the phrase we're going to be looking at this morning is go into all the world and I was chatting with somebody the other week and one of the unique things um, before us as people that live in Sutton or live in the wider area is that you can go into all of the world and never have to move more than 10 miles. Uh, We were looking at some of the ONS stats and looking at some of the uh, research that's been done in the area of Sutton and actually we are surrounded by all nations, people that have moved there, that emigrated, they've landed in the area and actually we're surrounded by all nations. We actually don't have to go far in order to reach beyond our circles, to reach beyond our borders and it's a unique opportunity where Libby and I used to live in Lincoln, We, we were surrounded by 27 nationalities and we had friends from all different nations, which was great if ever we wanted to travel around the world. Just meant we could rock up, pick up the phone, hey, remember me, I'm your neighbor. I've got a place to stay in Poland. Have you got a place to stay in Latvia? And uh, we would have friends over there because we were able to reach all nations by walking down our street. I just think that's cool. Anyone else think that's a really unique, unique time that we're living in? Where else in history has it happened to this extent? And so to reach people, to go all into the world, and actually that just involves speaking to some of our neighbours sometimes. And the second part of the verse we're going to be looking at this morning is to teach people to obey the commandments of Jesus and it's not that we're ignorant of the Old Testament if you don't know much about the Bible it's formed from two sections the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Old Testament was before Jesus it was the formation of the nation of Israel and sometimes it's a little bit hard to crack open there's a lot of cultural context to get into and the New Testament is the revelation of Jesus and the extension of his church the establishment of his church here on earth and the way we in which we discover God in a new way and We don't want to ignore the Old Testament and we don't want to ignore wider aspects in the New Testament, but we center everything, I would say, on the teaching of Jesus. That actually Christ is our firm foundation, Christ is the one uh, we build our lives upon. And so, really, what we've tried to do is create a conversation across each week. And so, if you're joining us for the first time, I want to encourage you you can go online and you can listen back to some of the messages. Uh, You can do it in double time, which means if you don't like my voice or you don't like anyone else's voice as much, you just speed us up. And you can get right through that in twice the speed. Uh, But I'd encourage you to build the picture that each week is an aspect of one conversation. That one conversation is faith foundations. And the other thing I want to remind you about is that as a church, we've encouraged you to pray through three major aspects, three core aspects that will guide us in this season. And the first one is this, is that we live our faith. Uh, And the prayer is this, Lord, help me have the mind of Christ in all things. The second is to demonstrate our faith. And the prayer is, Lord, help us be the body of Christ and be a light in our borough. And the third one is share our faith. Lord, help us be the light of Christ in reaching our community and we're praying these things and we encourage you to pray these things in your small groups in your families talk about them over the dinner table have them at the front of your mind when you're in work that actually we're not here to just have a great time together on a Sunday although we do that don't we That's the right answer. We do that on a Sunday morning, but actually we're Christians every single day. We want to take our faith beyond these walls. We want it to spill over and we want it to impact the world around us. And so keep those prayers at the forefront of your mind. And my prayer is that we'll see some stories, that we'll hear some testimonies. We'll hear how these things have been outworked in our everyday life. And so we're going to jump in it this morning and talk about The Great Commission, as we continue with those three things in mind. And the Great Commission is, as I said, the mission. And I don't know if you remember this, but there's a seemingly never ending film franchise called Mission Impossible. Small claim to fame, at RF Waddington, where I, the area I grew up was the, the one before the last film was filmed. That was quite exciting. Everyone was, oh, Tom Cruise is in the area. And it was a big excitement. And these films have been going on and probably will last for another hundred years. I don't know. The franchise seems to be never ending. There's a new one coming out soon. But actually, it was based on a TV show in the 60s. Who remembers the Mission Impossible of the 60s? Show of hands. Don't be embarrassed. You've got heritage. You've got history. Uh, and inevitably, what would happen, is that this show would start off uh, and there'd be the fuse kind of burning across the screen and the tune would go yeah something like that not far off and uh, you're all familiar with the tune Uh, it would burn down and then there would be this person that says you know here's a mission and the mission is there's a billionaire zoo owner who's looking to take over the world and he's got some penguins that he's done some mind control on, and they're going to, you know, subvert the plans of the free Western world, or something like that, probably a more particular plot, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to stop the guy, Uh, and what would happen is the mission would go on, and a few things would happen, it wouldn't quite turn out the way they imagined, and the guy would probably be stopped, and we'd learn some things along the way, and it would all be fun, a few explosions and a car chase, Uh, and that would be the mission, and then the tape would self-destruct, they would go on the mission, and it would all happen, and I got thinking, that is a lot like the Christian life we we often (laughs) stay with me stay with me it is a lot like the christian life because sometimes uh, you, you, you come to church and, and you may have given your heart to Jesus and then you realise there's a whole load of stuff you didn't know about uh, and the mission should you choose to accept it is to go all, into all the world and make disciples and you're like, wow, that's a task, that's a lot on me and as you go, you discover some things about yourself, it doesn't quite turn out the way you imagine, some better things happen, some worse things happen, your faith is strengthened, you feel broken, you're built up again uh, and then you know, you think, wow, I really need the Holy Spirit. I really need help in all of this. And hopefully somewhere towards the end, as we stand before the Lord in glory, the other side of eternity, we think, wow, that was a mission. I made it. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but that's, uh, that's what the Bible tells us. So that's what I'm praying for. And, um, you know, the mission is to reach people. And the result of reaching people is that we see transformation. And that was the result of Mission Impossible. They'd see some transformation in an episode. That's how it's spiritual. That's where the the link was. And my question is this. Can you recall a moment in your your life where somebody reached you when you needed reaching? Somebody helped you when you needed helping? And I think back to my own life and how broken I've been, especially over my teen years. And I had some amazing people that loved me despite the pain that I caused them. Now, they would love me dearly, but they would also recognize I was a pain in the backside as a child. I was a pain in the backside as a teenager. I'd gone through some things. We had uh, uh, not the best kind of home situation. We were just under-resourced the word I would use to be sensitive and What it meant was that our life was a little bit chaotic, but there were some people that loved me. Their mission was to love me despite how much I would bite them sometimes, despite how much I would kind of lash out at them. And that love reached me, and it taught me the ways of Jesus, and it brought me to a place. Have you ever been reached like that before? And aren't you thankful that maybe somebody had that attitude towards you? There's a, a story which I think, I don't know if it's legend or history, but... It goes like this, there was a soldier once and during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was um, up against it and he'd set up a a house of strategy, a soldier's house. And this other soldier, he had uh, some parents who had passed away and he, he was going to Abraham Lincoln to plead his case to say, can I just be let off the front line so I can go and deal with my family issues? And he goes to Abraham Lincoln and he goes up to the guard's house and he says, hey, can I see the president? Now, he's busy, right? He's the president of the United States. It's the middle of the civil war and he manages to persuade uh, the guards to let him by. And he gets to the second room and he says to the guards, hey, I need to see the president. I've got an issue. Will you let me past? And he's turned away. No, you can't see the president. He's preparing for war. He's busy. And so he goes away and he sits outside on a bench looking really, really sad. Turns to his left and there's a small boy there. And the boy says, hey, mister, what are you doing? And the man, just broken hearted, turns to the boy and says, I'm trying to see the president because my family need me to go and take care of some, some devastating things that have happened. And the boy just perks up and says, come follow me. So the boy takes him by the hand and he walks up to the house and the guards look at him, look at the boy and they just step aside and he goes through into the next room and the guards that the soldier couldn't get past look at him and they look at the boy uh, and they just step aside for the boy and then the boy goes into the final room. The doors open up and there's Abraham Lincoln with all of his generals, all of his officers around a strategy table uh, and Abraham Lincoln looks up and says, Todd, my boy, what is it? See, so it's uh, Abraham Lincoln's son. And Todd goes, Dad, this man needs to speak to you. He's got something to ask you. And the soldier is able to speak with Abraham Lincoln. He gets permission to go home and deal with his family issues. And isn't it interesting that it wasn't what he knew, it wasn't what he could plead, it was who he knew. That the soldier, knowing the president's boy, had access to the father. And as I look at our, our mission, as I look at our faith, what we realize is that you and I, we know the son of the father. We have direct access to the Father and sometimes you can come up against hurdle, against hurdle, but if somebody doesn't reach you that has access, you can get nowhere in life. And that's what it's like with people that don't yet know Jesus. That's what it's like with people that are far off from him. They don't yet know the Father, yet you and I have direct access to the Father, which means you and I can take somebody by the hand and say, look, it feels like you're getting nowhere here, but I know someone who can bring peace to your life. I know someone who can bring love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Let me show you him. That's the privilege that you and I have. That is the mission that we're on. And so we're called to reach people and we're called to teach people. So reach and teach. Everyone say reach. Drum roll. Everyone say teach. (laughs) You knew it was coming. Uh, Matthew 28, if you've got your Bibles, verse 16 to 20. If you haven't, I'm going to read it out in my best Bible voice. Here we go. Uh, Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This happens after Jesus has been crucified, he's died, he's risen again, he's appeared to some hundred, several hundred disciples, and these are his final words to his disciples, and he calls the 11, it was 12, Judas is no longer there, uh, he calls the 11 to a mountain in Galilee, and the interesting thing about the mountain in Galilee, it's actually a region of Gentiles, Another way of saying that uh, for biblical context, it's a region of people that didn't believe in God. It's a region of people that didn't know uh, God in the same way that the disciples would have known him. And so he meets them in that context. And it's also interesting that he meets them on a mountaintop and he gives them a new commandment. The last time we saw somebody on a mountaintop giving commandments was in the Old Testament. It was a guy named Moses and he gave 10 of them. We call it the Ten Commandments. And in those Ten Commandments, it was a way of understanding this is what we need to do in order to live in a way that is pleasing to God. It was very rules-based. It was very legalistic. But now we jump in the New Testament. It's after Jesus' ministry, and he meets them on a mountaintop, and he gives them a new commandment, an additional uh, commandment. And verse 17 says this, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Think about that. If you know your Bible and and you've been reading it for any number of years and you've been walking this journey of faith, you'll have this idea that the disciples were these strong, faith-filled people who who seemed to just have their heads switched on. And after Jesus, they went and they changed the world. And they did. But what's interesting is the Bible doesn't shy away from the fact that they were doubters. And I also think it's a bit harsh because who do we know who is a doubter in the Bible? Thomas, right? There's even like a headline which was added later to the Bible to give us a bit of context, Doubting Thomas, which is a rubbish nickname to be stuck with. I don't want to be known as that. Oh, there's Julian, the doubter. (laughs) Doubting Julian. Like, come on, guys. Like, He was still there in the end. But actually, the Bible tells us it wasn't just Thomas. Some of the disciples doubted. It suggests more than one. It suggests more than one disciple had this nervousness And the word in Greek is edistasa, and it's this sense of having hesitation. It's this sense of, oh, I'm not sure. I'm just, I haven't got it all figured out. I haven't got it all pieced together. I haven't worked this out yet. I have a little bit of hesitation. I have a little bit of doubts in what Jesus is asking of us. And I find it absolutely amazing that Jesus works with the disciples and he works through the disciples even though they carry doubts. I don't know about you, but that brings great encouragement to me because I live my life between two mediums, one of supreme confidence and one of supreme panic. And I find myself, depending on what's been thrown at me, depending on how things are going, sometimes I'm pulled between those two things. And when it comes to my faith, it can feel like that. Like, God, you said this, yet what I'm seeing is this. Have you ever had that moment? That God, I'm leaning into your promises and I'm leaning into your teachings and I'm trying to follow you in the best way, but life isn't going how I thought it would go. And you could be forgiven for having some doubts. And then you go away and thinking, wow, I'm supposed to have faith in Jesus. Why do I have doubts? But you know what? Jesus can handle them. Like, like God is big enough for our doubts. He can handle our doubts because it tells us that the disciples had doubts. Kingsbury says this, Disciples live their lives between worship and doubt. Disciples live their lives between worship and doubt. Christians are both believers and doubters, adoring and wondering, trusting and questioning. In fact, disciple simply means learner. In other words, I am a disciple of Jesus. I do not have all the answers. I do not have it all together. And if you meet somebody that has an answer for everything, I don't know if they're in a place of teachability. That it's right that we work some things out, it's right that we piece some things together, but it's okay to walk this faith holding some doubt as a point of tension in your life. And if you're feeling doubtful at times, you're just like the disciples. You're just like a human being, right? You're just in that place of, I'm stepping out in faith, but I need to put some trust in my heavenly father. Christians are both believers and doubters. And the other reason it gives me encouragement is that these 11, although some were doubters, they do change the world. Every single one of them, as far as we know, they're martyred for their faith. They give their lives for this because later as they walk in faith, they become so certain of their faith. That actually it's just stepping out in faith while carrying their doubts that they move closer to Jesus. And the end result is they go into all of the world and they change the world as we know it. Every single disciple gave their life for Jesus, save John, who was boiled alive, which is not a pleasant thing to have happened to you. And he writes Revelation, but every single one of them got to that point where, despite their doubt, they carried themselves into a place of certainty and then this is what it says in verse 18 then Jesus came to them those who were worshipping and those who were dancing and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me so in other words they are now delegated authority authority that's given to you and I in different concepts can mean different things. It's not a word we're always comfortable with. When we hear hear the word authority, sometimes we might think of something oppressive. We might think of totalitarianism. We might think of something that is lorded over people or we might think of something that is structure or routine or, or fundamental to the way that we live our lives. But one thing's clear, authority taken by force is control. Authority given to someone is delegation. And Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, and because of that authority, I am now delegating some of that authority to you. Those who call Jesus Lord and Savior, those who have given their lives to following him, you have now been delegated, reign on authority. That is one of the expressions of the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven where God's rule, reign and authority is carried out, uh, it is now passed over to you and I like a baton in a race. Like something being handed to us, not that we have taken, not that we have um, uh, pushed through by force, but something we've received as a bit of a gift. Now, what is the authority for? The authority is for reaching those who don't yet know Jesus. The authorities for teaching them to obey the commands of Jesus. And so this is verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We just saw that amazing video this morning. How cool was that? How cool was that? We saw some people sharing their faith. They'd made that decision. They'd landed uh, where we're landing this morning in Matthew 28, being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the thing we've got to recognize is that the Holy Spirit is already doing stuff. I don't know if you've ever got to the point where you're thinking, I'd really like to share my faith with somebody. I'd really like to open up and I've got to try and bring Jesus into their lives. Have you ever used that phrase before? And I found myself thinking about this, that actually it's not that we're bringing Jesus into people's lives, it's that we're just paying attention to what God is already doing in somebody's life. That actually for you and I that call Jesus Lord and Saviour, we could probably look back in our lives and we could say, God was working on me long before I made a decision to follow him. Like while I was still lost, while I was still in my mess, while I was still distant and far off, God was at work in my life. His Holy Spirit was at work in my heart. His hand was upon me. And why do we think that's any different for others that don't yet know Jesus? That actually, he's at work in people's lives. He's at work in people that you work with. Careful with that phrase. Uh, he's, at, he's at work in those who you love. He's at work in the lives of those that you do life with. And actually, our job as Christians, our job as those who know Jesus, is to begin paying attention to the God who is already on the move, to the Holy Spirit, who is already working in people's lives. And so it's active. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of them. And the implication is this, is that Jesus doesn't want an idle church. He doesn't want a self-edifying church. He doesn't want a holy huddle church. He wants a going church. He wants his church to spread out. He wants his church to go beyond the four walls. He wants us to spill over. And the actual sentiment is to move out. The, the Greek word for go in the Bible means go. It's like sometimes we look for a hidden layer and, it, and a hidden meaning and a new depth to something. It just means go. And it doesn't necessarily mean go abroad like sometimes we do that if you've ever heard of mission in a church context when we say mission usually we mean traveling to another country joining another work and it can be that absolutely there are overseas mission but actually we are all on a mission we're all called to go and we might not be able to go abroad we might not be able to go to south africa we might not be able to go to asia we might not be able to go to australia I think they need Jesus too. Uh I might not be able to America. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, we, might not be able to go, we might not be able to go beyond the four bound, corner boundaries of Sutton Borough, but we are still called to go in our context, to go and make disciples of all nations, to be present, to be active as the church. And knowing this, that even though I might have doubts, he goes before me, Right, He goes ahead of me. He prepares a way. He's working on people's hearts. He's present already in the conversations that I'm about to have. And so as we go, we're called to make. We're called to make disciples. And notice this, it's the disciples who are making disciples. You need to catch that, that actually being a part of a church community is not just receiving a service. It's not, I've said this before, it's not a costa, it's a community. That actually we don't come here just to get some stuff, although of course you get a blessing in our times of prayer together. You get a blessing in our time of worship, in, in our quality time that we spend with one another. But actually we're called to be disciples who make disciples. You have an active role to play in the church. Everybody gets to be a part of this. Everybody gets to do something that what you know of Jesus and what you've experienced of God, the way that he's worked in your life, is something that can encourage someone else. It's something that can spur someone else on. It's something that can speak to someone else's life. That actually when I face some stuff and I've overcome and I have a testimony and a story of what God has done, that is not just for me. It's to share with others. And you have those stories as well. You have something to contribute, not to just people in this room, but people who don't yet know Jesus. Imagine this. Someone says, how's your week gone? You've had a terrible week, awful week. You've come up against it, but you found yourself in a place of prayer. And and, and these are frequent stories that we hear. And in that place of prayer, you've seen God provide in amazing, unique and unusual ways. That is a story of faith. Imagine if somebody that doesn't know Jesus asks you how your week has gone and you're able to share. This is gonna seem unusual to you, but here's how my week went. I prayed and here's what happened. That's something you're able to share And allowed to spill out over your life. So in doing that, we're we're reaching out to people and we're making disciples and we're drawing them in on the journey we have. The mission is one where we build not great buildings, not great organizations, not great business structures, not great franchises and branding. It's one where we build people who follow Jesus. It's one where we build people up in a world that seems to cut people down. It's one where we speak life and faith and hope into people. That is the responsibility of everybody that calls Jesus Lord and Saviour. That is the great privilege and you've been given authority to do those things. And the second part of the command is to baptise that we baptize them into, well, we did this a couple of weeks ago. I won't cover this in huge huge quantity. You can go back and listen to the sermon, but we baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the final part of the section is this, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. What are we teaching them? We're teaching them what we've experienced in Jesus, who he's revealed himself to be. We're sharing what we know about him and we're passing that on to other people. Now, again, you might be on the, on the kind of first rungs of your faith. You might be walking this journey for a long time. But whatever it is, you've got something to share to spur somebody else on in their faith. You get to teach them about Jesus. And then the last part there is that we walk in faith. That part of the verse, surely I'm with you till the end of the age. He says this to his disciples on this mountain. And we know because we've read the other gospels right after this, he goes. Like He leaves surely i'm with you to the end of the age bye it's not actually very encouraging and i wonder if the disciples are there like what you've just said you're going to be with us you're never going to leave us but now you've left us but actually the bible tells us that he leaves with us one who is our helper and the helper is another name for the holy spirit the wonderful counselor his holy spirit that he deposits with you and i that when we when we Listen to the Holy Spirit. He guides us, he leads us, he speaks to us, he empowers us. He helps us outwork our faith so that we might do our very best to walk in the image of Christ. But it spills over, and it's kind of like bump-starting an old petrol car. Do you ever have an old petrol car? A rising generation, you won't know, you'll only know dead battery cars. But for some of us, we had an old petrol car, and when it didn't work, the battery died. You'd get it to a hill if you could, and like you'd sort of tip it over the hill, jump into the car quickly, turn the engine on, and bump start the car. Do-do-do-do, off it goes. And at that point, you'd think, one day I'll get a new car, but not today. And you'd do it day in, day out, when, especially when it was cold. You'd bump start the old petrol car. That is the process of discipleship, I think. There's sometimes you're not sure, you, you've got some doubt, you need to push things along, and it feels like it's a little bit bumpy, feels like there's nothing going on. But as you do the journey, the car starts. And actually, I think the place that we build our faith Is in serving Jesus the place that we build our faith is in the going what we don't do is wait till we've got it all figured out we don't wait till we've got all the pieces lined up all of our ducks in a row and we understand every intricacy working of theology and all the the kind of inner workings of how God speaks through us and what happens when this happens and that no we don't wait till we've got it all together we go and in the going our faith is built That as we diligently serve Jesus, as we disciple ourselves and disciple others, in doing the stuff, our faith is made stronger. In doing the stuff, we have to rely on Jesus. In doing the stuff, we have to learn more about who God is. We have to lean on his strength. And by doing that, we have stories of faith. Because we can't do it in our own strength because you and I get it wrong. And as we're called to reach and teach, that is the cause, that is the mission of every single one of us. I'm just going to invite the worship team back up this morning. And we're going to enter a time of worship, and the challenge I want to leave us with this morning is this, is the mission, should you choose to accept it, a little bit cheesy, is this, to go and make disciples in all nations, teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The question is this, who are you discipling? Are you being discipled? Who are you reaching? When you think about reaching others, is it a genuine love and desire or is it because you want to just see some numbers? But I'd suggest to you the motivation is this, to journey people's lives and, and be a part of their story of transformation some public challenges for us all, what might damage our mission? What might distract us from our mission? What might derail the mission? See, the mission of the church is what we're here to do. And what we're here to do is make disciples of all nations. And we are disciples who make disciples. What if we discovered more of Jesus as we carried his good news forward? To those who are in need of hearing it, what if like someone who reached you, you was able to reach someone else. What if they were to experience the same transformation you had? And what if you could one day stand up and be a part of their story? Because you took the mission, you accepted it, and ran with it. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you empower us that you lead us. I thank you that you go before us and you're working in all things. And Lord, would you stir our hearts this morning to take seriously your mission in all areas of our lives, to recognize that it's not just for those in this room, but it's for the everyday. We're here to do the mission. Well, Lord, would you guard our hearts in that. For those of us that carry doubts, which is all of us at some point, And they come and go from time to time. As we step out in faith, Lord, may we know more of you, more of your faithfulness. Would you give us stories of transformation in Jesus' name? Everybody said, Amen.